Hi, I'm Mike Vardy, and I'm about to revisit a productive conversation with James Hamblin. Welcome to A Productive Conversation. It's another episode from The Vault. I'm bringing this one back from March of 2015, and it's a conversation with James Hamblin. He is an author, board-certified preventive medicine physician, he's MD, MPH, and he's a lecturer in public health at Yale University. For nine years, he was a senior editor and staff writer at The Atlantic Magazine. His works also appeared in The New York Times, Politico, and Vice, and his book Clean was named among the best of 2020 by NPR, Smithsonian, and Vanity Fair. But we don't talk about the book Clean because it wasn't out yet when we had this conversation. So here we get into it. It's, it's a really interesting to go back to these conversations. It reminds me how much I want to get back in touch with James and chat with him again in the future. But for now, here's my productive conversation. James Hamblin, enjoy. I am with a doctor. Doctor, the first doctor. Well, no, I had Tim Pitchell on the show. So the second doctor on the show, uh, James Hamblin from uh, The Atlantic, um, probably best known for The Atlantic, here with me on the Productivious Podcast. Uh, James, thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Mike. So I wanted to talk to you today, first off, about some of the stuff that you've been putting on your videos, the If Our Bodies Could Talk series over The Atlantic, because that's kind of how I found you at first, is, is through these videos. And one of the things that that fascinated me is that um, it's always good when I tell people that there are certain things that they should probably do, and then someone who is has science as a background and a doctor says, "Yeah, this stuff, this is what you should do." So uh, I want to talk about the tablets. The, the tablets, you know, it's tablets Thursday, right? That's what you. That's that's what you've had, right? It's, it's either Tuesday or Thursday. You could probably interchange them really if you wanted to, right? Well, that was one of my uh, ideas of why I thought this would be a good joke in the first place. I mean, at least the uh, the Thursday joke because it showed so clearly should be Tuesday. If you're into alliteration, um, so so Thursday was just an arbitrary choice, which I said was because Taco uh, Tuesday is Taco Tuesday, right? So, from, from the Lego Movie, uh, is it? Yeah. Oh, uh, well, that was not even something that I I think I'd seen. <laughs> I think um, was, I think you were ahead of the curve with this. I yeah, because I don't think the Lego Movie was out yet when you made oh. that. Yeah, probably. I've been playing with Legos since way before that movie came out. I've got the Green Lantern Lego spaceship right here next to me. I picked it up the other day. The Lego store was sold out of it four times in a row, and I finally picked one up. Oh, my God. I didn't know they sold out of things like that. Yeah, the Green Lantern's a big... He's a big deal for me. I don't know why. Oh, okay. but yeah, it's a willpower, the whole ring thing. But anyway, so so, <laughs> I, I, so can you explain to people a little bit what tab, what, what, what that meant? You know, the idea of kind of going tabless for, for a certain period of time? Yeah, well, I find that I, and I think a lot of people sort of fall down an internet hole of tabs where you get halfway into reading something and then you think about reading something else. And so you open a new tab and go to that page. Especially happens with Wikipedia where you see an interesting fact and decide maybe you should just oh, go read about that and then go read about that and then check your email. And then before you know it, you have 100 tabs open. You've accomplished nothing, but you're one-tenth of the way into 100 different projects. And, you know, we know that that's not, productive for the brain. Every time you reset to a new task, it, you lose time overall uh, and you lose productivity. So if you force yourself to get out of the habit of hitting uh, command T or whatever, uh, whatever command uh, needs to do that for you, but, uh, I'm sorry, I'm <laughs> if you get out of the habit of, of hitting command T and just try to finish something and then move to the next thing and start over and uh, do one thing at a time. That seems to be what, you know, research is saying makes you most productive at the end of the day. So 
that was tough for me because it's such a habit to to hit command T and to constantly be trying going to new things. Um, so I had to get uh, uh, actually manually disable tabs in my browser in order to pull it off. And even then, I was still sort of checking my phone. But I found that it, it sort of worked for me, and I thought it was a concept that you know people might be interested in, something to try. And it, it seems to have been. There's a hashtag that people are still tweeting every. Uh, Thursday and um, yeah, it, it got posted a couple places and people seem to receive it well. Now, what do you think about these forced discipline applications that are out there? So, I mean, this is obviously some sense of manual, you know, kind of discipline that you've put into place where it's like, okay, this is, this is a habit I'm going to build. This is the, this is the day of the week this happens. But what do you think about those tools that are out there that kind of, you know, like stay focused, for example, or freedom for the Mac, where you could actually disable certain things if you want on your computer? Are, are you a fan of those? Or do you think that they kind of provide a more of a crutch that people tend to lean on for too long of a period of time? Hmm. That's a good question. I have not used them. I like the idea. I should try. Uh, I don't think it, I, I wouldn't see it as a crutch. I mean, obviously this is something that you've spent more time thinking about than I, but I think, um, you, you, for a lot of people, it's just hard to break a habit. You, you get into these habits of the way that you behave when you're at your computer, the sort of things you do and the way that you flit around or that you are in entertainment mode versus work mode. And so I think sometimes forcing your brain into uh, the way that it needs to be can can teach you how to how to work, how to um, how to get into a mindset that you need to be able to get into manually. Now, what about these habits? You're talking about habits. And this is an interesting segue because I want to talk about the, the sad desk lunch. <laughs> the, the idea that, and I was doing this back when I worked at the, the film festival, back when I worked at the Victoria Film Festival for a couple of years, is that everybody did this. Is everyone kind of sat at their desk and ate their lunch because they felt, well, you know, I'm just eating lunch and I can work away. And I would be the one guy that would be off in the corner kind of eating at the table and they'd go, they'd look at me like I was, you know, had two heads on. And it was like, why, what, what, why do you think people continue to, I mean, first off, I mean, why do you think people continue to kind of say, okay, you know what, I can't get away. And why do they need to get away to take that time to have that lunch to get their, you know, to, to, to not sit at their desk and, 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 you know, chomp away and check email and all that stuff? Yeah. I think if you ask most people, if they take breaks, if they're forced to take breaks, um, by the end of the day, they'll overall be more productive. If, if you don't, if you just sit down and you try to work for 12 straight hours, you're not going to get as much done. It, I couldn't quote a beautiful study for you offhand, but I have seen um, that when people are forced to take breaks like five to ten minutes every hour, they end up being more productive overall. They're more creative and feel better about themselves at the end of the day. All these things go hand in hand. So that is, there's not just the element of not working straight for 12 hours. There's also the social element of it. Uh, Mm. Which is, you know, it, it it's sort of a a newer practice too for everyone to just work straight through the entire day and, and not take some time to chat with people and and hang out a little bit. So, um, you know, it's kind of breaking a newer trend as opposed to trying to uh, really radically reform anything. Let's talk about sleep because science has proven that you know you need a certain amount of sleep. I'm a night owl as somebody who did comedy and you've done comedy as well. Like, I mean, comedy doesn't happen at brunch. You know, it's something that you would do at night. And then I don't know about you, but I would get, you know, I'd finish a performance and I'd feel like I wouldn't be ready for bed. I'd be ready to continue going. So is there 
I mean, I know people say, you know, our, our circadian rhythms are designed that we wake up in the morning. I'm still a night owl ever since I did. Like, I can't, I get up at 8 a.m. unless I'm forced to get up any earlier. And I'll stay up till 1, 1 a.m. Um, is there, we're seeing the miracle morning. I know Hal Elrod, you know, he's 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 somebody I've, I've known and, and, and he's put together some great stuff. I'm not getting up at 3.30 in the morning. Uh, you know, but I, I get the idea. Is it the same kind of principles when it comes to what we're talking about with diet is, you know, just get the right amount of sleep. It doesn't really matter when you get the sleep, just get the right amount. Yeah. The only data on that that I know about is people who work night shifts, uh, have more chronic health conditions and, uh, die earlier. Yeah. That was, the, and, that, I saw that the sleepless in America documentary, it was really good in that. I mean, it was a long documentary and almost put me to sleep, but they did talk about that, like depression and stuff can set in for for them as well. Yeah. I mean, it's unlikely too, that you're getting really rock solid sleep during midday. When I was working in, in the hospitals, I, I'd have to cover weeks, sometimes two week blocks, usually a week at a time of night shifts. And they, it would it would take me that long the whole week before I could potentially sleep for like six hours at a time. It takes you a long time to adjust. I guess if you're working full time night shifts, you know, ideally your body should be able to shift. But yeah, so I know that's not good. I think if you're in some sort of sync with the uh, diurnal rhythms of the earth for for whatever reason and societal patterns of when other people are alive and functioning, uh, you you and you coincide with them, then you end up being healthier. But, uh, you know, within, within limits, it's more about the quantity than, than when. And I know there's, it's important to, to try to go to sleep and wake up at similar times. That uh, If you try to compensate and uh, sleep three hours past when you normally wake up just to make up for the, the three individual hours that you missed earlier in the week, that's, that's no good for you too. You should try to, try to get up even if you went to bed late. We're doing things to our body that our body would yell at us. <laughs> could like just stop, you know. Uh, and and I think a lot of people spend their time fighting what their bodies are saying, just so that they, could, you know, like the not not the bra- the brain has, you know. I mean, the brain will tell you like, hey, we should do this, or we're getting external factors saying, hey, you need to get this done, you need to do this. But there's part of you going, you know, I just need to sleep, or I need to. Uh, this doesn't feel good, like. What do you say? Like, I don't know if there's a real question here, but but what's the what's this? Is there a solution? Is there just like you know how do you how do you help people that are saying you know like I'm having a real battle between what my body clock and my my energy levels are saying versus what my demands are? Yeah, that's a tough thing. I mean, people there certainly is intuition to what you need to be doing, but also would I ever go to the gym if I didn't? You know, that's not what my body's telling me. My body's telling me to just hang out on the couch. You know, I know that I should, so I go. And I know I'll feel better after I do. So there's listening to your body in that way. And then there's, you know, knowing what's best for you based on some sort of logic that hopefully should um, drive you to maybe sometimes, you know, choose a salad over a bag of gummy bears or... (laughs) Something occasionally, like if you, if I listened to my body, I would, I would pretty much eat a pack of Haribo gummy bears for lunch every day, um, but I don't. <laughs> so, so I guess one of the things that I want this kind of leads to is the idea of setting goals and like you know putting 
frameworks in place so that you can have your body and, and yourself just kind of say, okay, what do I really want? Well, not just the gummy bears that are right there in front of me, but long-term, you know, like mm-hmm. most, I think we've come because there's so much happening around us and the world is truly, you know, I mean, time <laughs> zones don't matter all that much anymore. Right. You know, we're three hours apart right now. And, you know, I mean, I, my, the guy who I just developed a course with lives in Australia, so he's a whole day ahead of me. And, and so time zones are really, the, the world's gotten a whole lot smaller, which means the information travels that much faster, which means it comes to us that much quicker. And so the demands are there. So what do you say to people who are having a hard time saying, okay, you know what, I get this, but I don't have time to sit down and figure out what I really want. I'm just going to keep going. Yeah, I think, you know, get some data on yourself and see how easy it could be to, you know, if you want to write a book and you can do it in 20 minutes a day, every day for a year, that is actually a ton of time and you could do it even if you think that you don't have the time for it. Um, So then you, you, you know, you can do that by kind of charting out your days and how you could accomplish that and making a, making a plan for it and making small quantifiable goals. I, I was just talking to somebody from the uh, American Council on Exercise and they, there are national guidelines in the U.S. about, you know, not just diet, but how much exercise you should get. And right now the, the guideline is 150 minutes a week uh, and it can come in any sort of form that you want, any allotment, as long as you get that 150 minutes. And obviously that's kind of arbitrary. You know, if you get 149, it's not going to be... A significant difference in your health. But it, it, they know from the behavioral research that if you set a quantifiable goal, something tangible, something short term, um, you know, it's certainly better than saying however many thousand minutes in a year. Mm. <laughs> and, and, it, and, and it's easier than telling people they need to do it every single day. Um, and it is kind of arbitrary, but it, it seems to work better to, to have that sort of quantifiable thing where you can say, okay, I did enough. It's been a week. I, I got what I needed and now I'm done. Um, and I guess that influences people in an effective way. So that's, I think, where a lot of those sorts of recommendations come from. Finally, a couple more questions. Number one, how is email ruining us again? I mean, I know. I just want to, uh, no, email, how do you deal with, like, email is one of those things where, and it's been scientifically proven that when you get an email notification, you know, you see the dopamine levels rise, right? And of course, when you deal with one, it's a sense of accomplishment. So you probably get the same thing. How do how do you how, how do you kind of get out of how do you get out of your inbox? Because I mean, it's just like the tablets the tablets issue where you, it just becomes an, an an endless storm. How do you get out of your inbox so that way you're not constantly you know dealing with the small wins or the very meager wins that email can give you? Yeah, I keep it closed for a lot of the day, and then you just sit down and. and power through them and get, you know, just you're doing email and then you're not doing email. Um, it's sort of very similar to the tablets Thursday approach, single tasking. But I also suggested in that video that we just have a, a cool button, which would sort of be analogous to the like button on Facebook or the fave on Twitter, you know, that you're, allows you to acknowledge something and say yes or haha or thank you or uh, yes, okay, we'll meet at five o'clock, good. And without having to type all that out, and someone actually made that app for Gmail in response to the video, and I now use it. It's <laughs> you can actually usually cool someone's email, and they get an automated response, and it archives the email, and the response says, uh, "James Hamblin cooled your email. That means he thought it was interesting or amusing, and he appreciates the email." And uh, it's super fast and super easy, and hopefully. People find it not too disrespectful, um, but it's something that's free and anyone can get, and it's called put some cool in your email. 
Awesome. I'll definitely put a link to that in the show notes. The other thing is I know a lot of people use a tool like Asana for project management and they've got the little heart button for any comments. So it keeps the flow of information going without you having to stop saying, that's great. Thank you or whatever. So I think we're going to see a lot more of this. Finally, uh, New Year's resolutions. We're what, three months into the year now? Uh, I would imagine two months, two full months in. Uh, I imagine that, um, you know, as we record this, I, I imagine that some people out there are not <laughs> they have not kept up with their New Year's resolutions. What do you? What are your thoughts on New Year's resolutions? Just really quickly. How do you? How do you? Do you? T- do you do them? Do you? How, how? And if you do, do you do them at the start of the year, or do you just try to build habits throughout the year? Um, I'm constantly kind of coming up with new uh, goals and behavioral things that I should try to work on. Um, so the New Year is kind of arbitrary for me. Um, this year is for me just to um, focus on not buying anything ever and uh buying experiences instead of things which is something that i sort of focused on in some psychology research in a piece early in the year but about the value that we get from you know taking a, a weekend trip someplace or um going to a concert instead of a- a buying a new clothes or um, you know, some device that is only going to get old and wear out. And it sort of seems like buying that material thing might actually be smarter because you're going to get to use it every day for a long time. But buying the experience, you know, when you, when you remember it, you're happy and it creates a sense of nostalgia and all the kinds of good things. So yeah, that's kind of been what I've been trying to, to focus on. I think for a lot of people, a year is an incredibly long time to say that you're going to go to the gym every single day. Um, and the shorter term things are probably smarter, but, uh, whatever works for you. Awesome. James, thanks again for taking the time to talk to me today. I really appreciate it. Where can people find your work on the internet? Although there'll be lots of show notes, just let our audience know so they can just jump on it right away. Oh, come to theatlantic.com. We have all kinds of wonderful magazine writing every day. Awesome. Thanks again, James, for joining me this week on the Productivityist podcast. Thank you so much for having me. And there you have it, my conversation with James Hamblin. Looking forward to the next one. If you want to check out all of the show notes from this episode, just head to productivityist.com slash podcast 455 and make that happen. Another thing you can make happen is subscribe to the podcast. Sure, we do vault episodes every month, but it's nice to bring those things back out. The only other way to find them is to really search through the archives, which is easier to do when you subscribe. But also, we've got a lot of great episodes to come. We've got Marie Poole and Chris Bailey, Cameron Harold, uh, Stephen Kotler's returning to the program, so many more. So subscribe to the podcast wherever you are listening to this now. Another way to support the show, by the way, is to check out the sponsors that you heard on this episode. Just go to productivities.com slash podcast sponsors to make that happen. Now it's time for you to make other things happen. You too, because this episode's over. Until next time, I'm Mike Varda, the host of A Productive Conversation, reminding you to stop doing productive and start being productive. See you later.